Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, this is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and today your podcast host broadcasting from the Casita. And I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of the most powerful marketing and communication software built specifically to meet the needs of insurance agencies and brokerages. If you believe that the relationship you have with your clients is the heart of your business, and I suspect you do, then you need to see how Agency Revolution can make those relationships stronger and longer. If you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com. Receive a free demo of their award-winning software today. And guess what? Uh, My guest today is the vice president of product for Agency Revolution and the genius behind the development of the software itself, the leading marketing automation software in the industry. And the reason that, uh, well, there's a, there's a really serious reason I brought him into this conversation. Uh, my premise, um, and I think I can support this, and, and my guess is uh, you would not argue against this, that you would agree with me on this, that software now is part of your job. Uh, that for uh, that within an agency, somebody um, needs to be scanning the landscape of software and technology, uh, emerging technology of which there is a lot, uh, and that the agency principal needs to have some intelligence and vigilance about a rapidly changing world, and that software is changing the independent insurance agency system. Uh, that's core. I think that's fundamental, and I think everybody agrees. I'll say that one more time. Software is changing the independent agency system. Well, Lucas Jans, yes, uh, related. <laughs> My oldest son um, has been developing software solutions for the independent agency system since 1999, and we tell that story. And uh, uh, so I, I think arguably... Well, first of all, arguably, I'd say he's the best software engineer in the industry. Boom. Um, and secondly, I would say he certainly made some of the most significant contributions to the development of quality technology for independent insurance agents and has a perspective, an inside perspective on how uh, so- where software is going in our system and what you need to know. Um I recorded this uh, last night for me, which was morning for him because he and his growing team of engineers is located in Vietnam. And uh, uh, so I've had a a few hours now to reflect on my conversation. And and there was one part of the conversation that particularly caught me, which is um, we spent a few minutes kind of reflecting on the contributions that he's made uh, and, the, and the projects that he and I have worked on, um, not as much in the last three years, but let's face it, we worked really closely over the course of 21 years with uh, new projects and uh, new companies. And that, so there are a couple of things that uh, I wanted to bring to your attention because they're not in the podcast itself. These are uh, post-reflections. 
And one is that, of course, the world of software is um, wildly turbulent. And I think you'll get maybe just a taste of that. That wasn't what we didn't. I didn't intend that to be part of the conversation, but you might get a taste um, uh, of uh, the the turbulence, the uh, uh, competitors coming out of nowhere, um, laws being passed that can change uh, the core of your very business. And so uh, a lot of the things that we created are uh, they, they got morphed or in some cases they disappeared and we moved on to another project. So one, there's a lot of turbulence in software. Um, 10 times what it normally is in the independent insurance agency system. And I'll circle back to that in a second. And the second is that uh, in the software world, generally, <clears throat> um, particularly the innovators, uh, they're going from what is known as from zero to one. In other words, where it didn't exist to, to something that all of a sudden does exist. So uh, it's a little bit different than going from one to two, where something exists and then you make it better. Zero to one is where it just wasn't there. And then boom, there's a solution that's there and it's a new solution. The The early innovators are particularly responsible for that um, kind of uh, creative development. Um, and so those are so those are a couple of distinctions, largely from the tradition of the independent agency system. Let's face it, uh, compared to software, it's, it has been a really relatively stable enterprise, and the purpose and the mission it was there. And so we have an industry that has functioned really well on. Um, best practices. And so to be better, often you look around you as an independent insurance agency system, you determine best practices and you copy them. Uh, in software, it is really quite different. Uh, the stability is not there. And um, the, um, the copying, the, the best practices uh, can be best practices in behavior, but, uh, but uh, with much, much broader uh, criteria than best practices in the tradition of the independent agency system. Now, I'm raising this because I think everything has changed. Uh, that's my reflection. I think your world has now changed. Uh, I do believe that now you also live in a world of turbulence, and so uh, there are lessons to be learned about, um, uh, well, I would call them speed strategies, the ability to adapt, uh, the need for vigilance, um, the need for, uh, well, for a fast-moving, tight-knit team. Uh, and then the concept of innovation, zero to one, I think that's much more on you now than it has ever been. That uh, especially, uh, and there is a strong argument, and I think Luke and I touch on that in the podcast, um, that uh, there's a strong argument for specialization, and I think we'll discover that the modern insurance consumer will richly reward the agency that is just not like every other agency where you can, well, it's in, in my model, it's the level five innovator agency where you develop and deliver um, something so unique and so proprietary that in some sense it really didn't exist before and your competitors don't have it. And you have, you then have a virtual monopoly. So one of the pass on those reflections because they're really not in the podcast. Now, um, I think you'll find uh, uh, Lucas's insights um, important for you. So he'll, he will share with you where he thinks software is going, a model about how to think about it. Um, and then we talk about the responsibilities of the agency and the agency principle to be uh, responsible and vigilant about uh, and knowledgeable about the landscape of software. And then uh, we discuss uh, some uh, modeling 
about how to how to make purchasing decisions within your agency and then, and then how to follow through on those so they are successful. So now, uh, without further ado, it is uh, a great delight for me to uh, uh, um, invite you to participate in this conversation with the Vice President of Product at Agency Revolution and someone near and dear to my heart, Lucas Jans. Lucas Andrew Jans, how are you? Hey there, I'm doing pretty good today. All right. I uh, really should start out and ask, you know, how, how are the kids? But maybe I'll reserve that for a different phone call. Um, okay, Dad. <laughs> uh, I, I, however, I might ask you, how's COVID in Vietnam? Before we're done, I, you know, <laughs> there is a, there might be some object lesson in this, but um, that, uh, we'll see when we get done with this conversation. But we're going to focus on software. So um, I, the first thing I want to do is... Um, Oh, well, let's talk about how we got to the point where we are right now. You've been you've been developing software in um, what I would say in the modern the age of the modern insurance agency since, uh, as I recall, it was 1999. And there's been a lot that's happened since then. My observation, and of course, uh, you know, it's I, I made my biases, but that you've been working with that uh, that quality and that category of software um, in the contemporary age uh, as long as anybody in the industry. So let, let's talk a little bit about where you got started with this. Well, um, we can go pretty far back, I think. <laughs> yes, I know we can. We collaborated <laughs> yeah, together and, on and I think, what, Yeah, and what, what I think is fascinating about it is that, uh, honestly, I think you've got a perspective on how software is changing the insurance industry that's as solid as anybody's. So, so let's get started. Yeah, uh, a, brief, a brief history of uh, Luke Jans in insurance software development. Yeah, so as you know, I was in, I was in college and uh, you were working with insurance agencies and you wanted to send your emails out faster and automatically to all the customers. And, and so we, we worked together on facilitating like a little newsletter product. This is like 1999. Right, right. Right. And we were both wondering, isn't there some value in here for insurance agencies? So we we worked together and we created some content, a newsletter that agencies could send to their customers. We had two uh, strands of messages, which are still part of uh, the Fuse product today at Agency Revolution. Right. Our personal lines, nurturing messages and our commercial lines, nurturing messages. That's what we call them. They're all about uh -huh. uh, agents staying in front of the customers. Um, yeah, so we, we put together a little marketing automation product where customers could upload their email list. They didn't have very many emails at the time. Um, and then agents could automatically send out messages to their customers uh, via these mail servers. Uh, and as I recall, as I recall, it started with me saying, hey, uh, can you develop a, a platform that allows me to send messages to my customers? And I recall it was my idea. Oh, okay, really? whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and uh, and then I would say, "Hey, can it do this?" And you would say, "Yeah." And I this, and you would say, "Yeah." Now, of course, you might say you were suggesting all those ideas, but however, the collaboration happened. And then I also recall that one day maybe you showed up in your dorm room, and there was an envelope or a notice that was slid under the door, or somebody knocked on your door because we were actually using the college server for the delivery of these messages, something like that. Um, yeah, true in all parts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. 
All right. The volume of so, email we were sending from the college mail server got their attention. So we it got their to, attention. Uh, <laughs> just very shortly thereafter. There was no AWS back then. So we had no, no AWS. Got something up and, uh, well, there, there was, there was the Pittock. I think that's where we moved the, the server to the Pittock building in downtown Portland or something Eventually. like that. Eventually, yeah. Um, and so people may not, uh, that was long enough ago. I mean, that was literally, that was like, what, 21 years ago. Um, at that point in time, uh, Rough Notes did a feature uh, article on that product that was called ZipDrip. And then uh, shortly after that, the Big Eye National declared it um, one of their, what was it, 100 must-have websites or something uh, for independent insurance agencies, right? So then we yeah. moved on from that. You And then <clears throat> I may have this out of order. You developed um, what I'm really quite certain was the first social media site for independent insurance agents. And this was before Facebook existed. And it was a pretty and, and robust site. worked because Facebook didn't exist. Uh, You're right. <laughs> you know, Facebook kind of killed it, I know. But so we, we provided a platform for our customers. And at this point, they were uh, largely principals of independent insurance agencies and hundreds of them that were members of my coaching program. And they could upload documents, download documents, chat with each other. Um, we provided an assessment. I mean, it was a really robust, uh, very robust um, uh, platform. And, and about half of our users use, uh, used it as their homepage. So they were logging in and out every single day. And then <clears throat> we also created the, um, I, I think what became the largest uh, e-blast advertising company in the insurance industry, connecting um, uh, oh, on the PNC side, oh, a lot of MGAs, program administrators who wanted to reach insurance agents, and on the life and financial services side, kind of the same thing. Uh, you know, various life intermediaries who wanted to connect with life insurance agents. Now, and, and I and I suspect that well, there's a lesson in that uh, that you might talk about later because when we were early and it was huge. And then, um, and then it kind of got commoditized, and it was it, it and, and the results began to diminish. And then they passed a law, <laughs> and so it became illegal, right? A lot of the things that we were doing then, through the Can Spam Act, became against the law, right? Yeah, um, that wasn't a major problem breaking the law. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Just because> no. <laughs> they, were, they were bigger. Fatter people than us for delivering yeah. a lot of value. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah it, so, indeed. Don't, don't stress um, the criminal aspect of my business career. Good. Well, I, th I, th I, think, I think once the Can Spam Act, I mean, the Can Spam Act um, was passed and the space was getting crowded, uh, others sure. figured that out how to get into it. So I, yeah. at that point, it was fairly easy to just roll it up and focus on our core business, which at that point was insurance profit systems. And then I think, yeah. I think right there, if I can stop you for a second, that is one of the, the insights. I think that is valuable yeah. for insurance agencies. The, we, we created a business that was not super complex, but it did offer a lot of value. So the, the innovation that I had at the time was we were, we were searching and scouring the entire inter internet for websites for, that had insurance agency websites, insurance agencies, contact information. We sucked in all that data. And then uh, before machine learning, I hired college kids to review all of these websites and verify <laughs> that they were 
websites for insurance agents. And if they were, then we would use that email, those email addresses on that website. We built a list, a targeted list that way, and we started communicating to those uh, those clients uh, on behalf of advertisers in the DMZ space. That was not a very complex business. And insurance agents today, you know, they're feeling a little bit threatened as well. Us probably more so mm-hmm. on the, the personal line side than the commercial line side about mm-hmm. you know the product innovation and the customer innovation that you have going mm-hmm. on. Um, the more complex the business is, the more complex the product is, the more value there is for an intermediary like an insurance agent to help communicate that customer value and solve this complex problem of understanding the product to the the consumer. Um, So I think, yeah, the lesson is it's great uh, to make money quickly in a space uh, where you're an early adopter and innovator, but it's better to build a long-term business where you have some safety, where the barrier to entry is free. So the barrier to entry to scouring the internet for email addresses was very low. And so that's why that right on. business yeah. that we had didn't last for more than a few years. Yeah, it was, it was a good run though, Luke. Uh, sure. <laughs> it was a pretty good run. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, 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 was, it was a business where the, the uh, input to output ratio was really quite favorable for a short period of time. Um, and, and then, as I recall, the me- next major project was Agency Revolution. Right. Yep. Okay. And that was, uh, it seems to me, uh, close to 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. We launched yeah. uh, right after the, the worst financial crisis of our generation uh, at the time. Yeah, yeah. It was a really interesting time to launch. Uh, yeah, we, we don't probably don't need to review uh, at this point, um, oh, some of the strategic uh, challenges that we had. Though at, though at some point, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, it might be of more interest to the insure tech audience and the agency audience uh, actually think, I think that it would be, um, but uh, yeah, enough grit and um, endurance and um, long suffering. Boom. At some point uh, got through the challenges and scaled and, and here we are now. Um, so congratulations. No doubt you've uh, you have built um, the, predominant marketing automation platform in the independent insurance agency space. And I think everybody knows that. So congratulations to you. All right. So um, I think uh, I, um, let's clarify like why I think this is, this conversation is important. Um, here's how I see it. It's, it's that the influx of emerging technologies and the capacity of contemporary technologies to help agencies solve problems and scale um, is uh, is such uh, is is ten x beyond what it's been before. There, in other words, um, the 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 influx of technologies is greater than ever before, and its ability to actually solve real problems. The quality of a lot of the technologies is uh, obviously um, considerably more advanced than it was before. My sense, my premise, is that now uh, one of the jobs of an agency principal, um, very difficult to delegate, uh, the principal, even in the largest of agencies, at least needs to be actively involved in the conversation, is that they have to be aware of 
the landscape of technologies, and they need to be um, smart enough about it to make astute decisions, and, um, and, and they need to know how to buy it. So uh, that's where your insight comes in. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm going to start. The, now. Right, right now, is a, it's a complicated world out there uh, for insurance agents. They, they've got to run a business on the product side, uh, understand the products that they're selling, you know, maintain their education on the product side, find new products to sell, you know, and continue innovating on that front. Um, at the same time, there's so much innovation. It can be overwhelming, I think, for agents to, to keep up and know uh, what... I what software they should be using, what they shouldn't be using. Yeah, it's complicated. Well, it's hard, right? It's hard. So so what, what I'm hoping that we can provide some clarity on is some kind of a way of looking at it, some, some way of so a model that helps people sort out this, all, of, all of this complication. So it reminds me of a survey that I ran uh, several years ago when I was still engaged with Agency Revolution. Um, and it was a, it was a one question survey. And I, as I recall, the question was, um, do you feel that your agency is, uh, keeping up with the current pace of change roughly? And, uh, or do you feel that your agency is not keeping up with the current pace of change? <laughs> and 96% of my respondents did not feel that they were keeping up with the pace of change in the world. And that was a few years ago. And, and while um, I know that some efforts have been made industry-wide to help provide some clarity to this, I, I don't think it's keeping up with the pace of, um, of, new, of new offerings. And so uh, I, um, I think that it's probably more common that uh, an agency principal has some confusion, some maybe some nagging doubt that they're not on top of this. So, boom, where do you want to start? Um, I think big picture, like in general, hmm. where, 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 like what's, what's going on with uh, software development in the insurance industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, insure techs are taking on huge amounts of money right now. So the pace of change, <laughs> the rate of innovation is amazing. And I think if we were to summarize like where we've seen this innovation, there's, there's two sides. I kind of alluded to this earlier. We've got we've got product innovation on one side. Uh, we've got customer innovation on the other side. Those are the two areas that agents, worlds that agents have to live in. Yeah, uh, um, do, uh, um, yeah. yeah give, give us a, a definition. Of what 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 is product innovation, and what do you mean by customer? Yeah, yeah. Product innovation, innovation is like uh, usage-based insurance, um, Metro Mile, and and other products that are being developed around pricing insurance differently, um, creating, you know, restructuring the way the risk is distributed. Uh, yeah. in, in our space, in, in our company, we don't, we don't work on that. We work on the other part of innovation, more the, the customer innovation, uh, which is about reaching customers where they are and adapting to customers' uh, behaviors as the customer behaviors change. So, so on the product side, you've got usage-based insurance like Metro Mile. There are a lot of insure techs in the space that are looking to innovate and sometimes innovate without consideration of the independent insurance agent. They're looking right. to disrupt. Um, I think 
the some of the interesting innovations or the interesting uh, insured techs are the ones that are combining both product and customer innovation. Ah. Um, so like Lemonade, for example, just recently IPO'd, stock shot up uh, tremendously post-IPO. They have a great product. It uh, I kind of think of it as the Apple of insurance. One of Apple's key advantages is that synergy between uh, the hardware and the software. And by combining, you know, the hardware and the software, they can create a user experience that is delightful. That was, was Steve Jobs' goal. Um, and that innovation allowed them some, some great, um, <laughs> what are they worth now? Almost $1.5 billion in market. Yeah, it's a, absolutely stunning. And I saw the other day, they just, once again, they overtook Aramco as, as the most valuable company on the planet. So, <laughs> right. yeah, it was, it's a, so it was a good that model. Is, it is a model. Um, it's not a model that the agents can do. You know, agents have to find, independent agents have to find the product. And they have to decide how they're going to connect with the customer. Um, so there are options, though, for agents. I think more so than ever, with a lot of this insure tech money, there's startups being created. And there's companies like ours where we're focused completely on the independent insurance agent and how we can help the independent insurance agent um, scale relationships, right, to connect with the modern consumer in a way that was difficult to do automatically in the past. Mm -hmm. um, so for for agencies, a lot of agencies are concerned about getting disrupted. You know, Bill Gates always talked about the disintermediation, like it's inevitable to happen. And we've seen it happen in other industries like travel agents. Um, travel agents had to go up market. All the down market agencies, there's not a lot of value there. They've been replaced by, you know, online uh, searching uh, or fairs and vacations and hotels and car rentals, it's gone now, right? Um, so the yeah. space that they've, <clears throat> they've hibernated okay. to or they're hidden to is that upmarket space where uh, somebody wants a curated trip and they want a consultant to help them design the perfect experience. Um, agencies have been lucky and that we haven't had to flee the, the market that you know we've lived in for so long. Changes happened over the last few years, 10 years, yeah. but it hasn't been quick. Uh, let, let, let's, been let's talk about this, that point for a minute. Um, cause, cause I think there's, there's gotta be some, uh, some lesson that we can suck out of that. And I, uh, I know that there is. Um, so let's say from the year, you know, the first 10 years of the internet, pick, pick a time, you know, 2000 and on, uh, um, we saw the decimation of the travel insurance industry. And a lot of people said, take a look at that, you're next. Well, here we are in the year 2020, and we have not seen nearly that decimation of uh, our industry. And so um, one question is why. And another question is uh, perhaps, um, depending on the answer to why, is when. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the why, uh, yeah. there, I think there could be a lot of whys. Um, <laughs> A technical why that agents have been protected is uh, partially due to data in the insurance industry and systems in the insurance industry. They don't they don't talk to each other well. Um, you see, we still have, mm -hmm. I think, partially due to the very early innovation, technical innovation of this industry. We have a lot of mainframe computers that are the main business systems handling, you know, policies and underwriting. 
And you know, the data streaming and yeah. the agency management systems can, can be very latent in some cases. Some carriers are not wired to, to share this data uh, quickly and automatically. So I think there's been some safety in that. It's harder to innovate when the data is not readily available and easy to share and work with, like it is mm -hmm. on you know, web mm -hmm. startups, like it is with travel. Uh, travel, you can, you can get the API to do a price comparison search uh, quite easily. Uh, insurance, not so much, not, not easy. But the other reason why I think is, you know, a lot to do with the product complexity. Um, not all insurance products are right. complicated, but agents are lucky in that the products are quite a bit more complicated than a, an airfare from one city to another. Um, and so that, that product complexity has given the agents some safety. Uh, we see it today. I think I read a study uh, last week that was saying that independent insurance agency channel has about 30% market share on the personal line side and about 85%. Yeah, and, and as I recall, that's kind of holding its own right now, but, it, but it's significantly diminished since the year 2000. Yeah. Uh, for sure. And probably, okay. I don't have the data, but I would assume far more diminished on the personal line side than it is on the commercial line side. Right. Yet, right. agents agents are doing really well right now, relatively speaking. We, you know, if you look at the direct writer's retention rates, I guarantee you they're far lower than the average independent agency. Um, why is that? Well, going down market, you're attracting a different set of customers, a set of customers who may not retain as well, customers who are price sensitive. The price so, sensitive customers churn more than the peace of mind sensitive customers. Yeah, absolutely. They, they view insurance as a priced product, yeah. not as a, as a risk management product. So there is a lot of room right. uh, for agents, a lot of space for agents mm -hmm. and agents to provide value in the marketplace, I think for a long time to come. Agents will need to continue to <laughs> keep their, their vision open to the product innovation out there and respond to that. But I think more importantly, agencies really need to take a customer-centric approach to that relationship and do it at scale and automate things that should be automated. But not, not do it too soon. Uh, we can talk more about uh, the the curve of adoption of different technologies and processes as well. All right. Well, I just want to, for a moment, I want to circle on this up market versus down market concept, because I think strategically for our listeners, this is really important. Um, I did, now I'm going back like 10 years. I remember I was preparing for my annual keynote address at our annual uh, marketing bootcamp for insurance agents. And so, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, one of the things that I was looking at was, hey, what's what happened? You know, like where are the corollaries? Where are the parallels to our industry? And the travel insurance industry seemed to be one worth looking at. And what what my research demonstrated, as I recall, was that in a in a, a very rapid um, uh, time frame, the number of in, of travel agencies plummeted from, as I recall, it was about forty thousand which I thought was ironic because that's about the number of independent insurance agents to about 14,000. However, uh, what I also discovered was that those who survived were, um, were selling 
three times the number of airline miles as the previous average travel agency. So in other words, um, the survivors won and they largely won by doing what you talked about. They went up market. They provided uh, a service to that was uh, just, just over that threshold of com- complexity where um, the, the right demographic wanted to rely on somebody else, a professional to put it together for them. That, right. it, do, it does seem that that um, is a, a risk that the independent insurance agent needs to be vigilant about. Um, is, and, and so this reminds me of my conversation like a week or two weeks ago with Dan Fagella about artificial intelligence. And his premise for this, uh, for our industry, was that um, th- there will be technology innovations confluent with the rise of millennials and Gen Xers as insurance buyers who are comfortable um, uh, providing self-service and financial services, that those two forces will come together and the, the down market, the simpler products uh, will, be, um, will be eroded from the independent agency channel. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Um, okay. I, I, I can share an example of a, of a friend of mine. He's a CTO for uh, a startup. They've raised uh, over a lot mm-hmm. of money, like mm-hmm. almost half a billion dollars. And he's like, hey, Luke, you're an expert on insurance. I know I need some uh, insurance for security breaches and tech violations. Can you just explain it real simply how it works? I, I don't want to talk to an agent. <laughs> I don't want to go through that. You know? but this, <laughs> is a, this is a guy that's got serious risk, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. It definitely does. Yeah. And I, I told right. him, you, you need to talk to an agent. You have to talk to an expert. Um, well, he, he was know, using you as an intermediary to the intermediary. <laughs> he was looking for a shortcut. <laughs> okay. But, right. but, but his so, premise... But my point he, being, he's yeah. so used to, his habits yeah. are so used to the digital way of buying and shopping for insurance. Mm-hmm. And he's just out there thinking that's how it works on the commercial insurance side as well. And uh, you know, if an agent wants to win in the future, they, I think, right, you remember many years ago, we created this course called Niches to Riches, right? Oh, in, indeed, about, yeah, indeed. I, st- I still get feedback on that one. <laughs> so I mean, that still holds true today. Mm-hmm. Uh, specialize in this space, is a way to go up market and give yourself, you know, something to talk about. You know, if you want to be out there and reach the modern consumer, you can't just be talking about the same things Geico and Progressive are talking about. You have to talk about something that where you provide unique value. That's where agents can really win. So, if if you you know specialize in cyber liability for startups or for you know pick an industry and become really good at it, and gives you a great source of content to promote around that. That's what going up market means. It means, it means specializing in these niches. These niches can be regional. You know, it could be high net worth individuals in Connecticut, for example. Um, mm-hmm. They don't need to be national, uh, highly competitive niches. In fact, I think you know, a little bit of regionality is good. Or <laughs> they can be across specific verticals and in, in industries. But for, for a, the agencies of the future are going to be specialists at something and define themselves in some way as as that specialist. Okay, so, I think so that's a bit of what yeah, Dan so, is saying. <clears throat> well, my perspective as a marketer 
is that there are numerous advantages to specialization. And I think what you're, you're also saying that from a product, an insurance product perspective, <clears throat> there, there are safeties, there are advantages to that as well. Particularly, uh, I, you know, we're talking about not specializing in the down market. Other channels right. are, are going to own that. Okay, got it. Um, so with kind of one last big picture question. Um, if you were an agent today and, you know, during the course of your day, whatever, you're getting six phone calls from vendors who want to sell you the next technology and, you know, and, and, and you log on to webinars and you see demos. I mean, it's enough to drive you crazy. Uh, uh, and then, and then, you know, there, there are agents out there wondering, well, what am I missing? What's everybody else doing? Um, there isn't like one source. What, what do you, what do you suggest to an agency principal who wants to be vigilant and aware? How do they keep track of all of this innovation and how do they make sense of it? I, I think it's a great question. I think the place to start with as, as an agency is to understand uh, where you are and the adoption curve of software products. Are you an innovator? Are you one of the first 2% of people to experiment with a new product space or a product? Are you an early adopter, like that next 15%? Um, the bell curve goes up and then you get the early majority. So you're, you're you know, the first 50%. Or are you a late majority? Like every agency is different. You've got agencies that are startup agencies. We have agencies that are owned by large private equity companies. We have you know very mature agencies with sophisticated IT departments, even software development <laughs> agencies. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it begins with knowing where who you are and what level of innovation are you comfortable with. Then. Once you know that, you it would be useful to understand um, which areas of your technology decisions it's really beneficial to be an innovator, and which areas it might be better to be a laggard or somebody in the later adoption cycle. So one one way I like to break that down when it comes to yeah. um, being customer centric is the ACOR model that we created at Agency mm -hmm. Revolution a right years on. ago, okay. which is attract, convert, optimize, and retain. The hardest one being attract. And it's usually the shiny object that uh, business owners are distracted with. But let's talk about it for a second, because it's not that. Um, we, we alluded to a little bit earlier in you know, specializing mm -hmm. in a single industry or a, a niche of space, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, tech risk for uh, technology startups, for example. Attract is all about attracting new clients to the business. And if we go through kind of the history of, of insurance, internet marketing in general, we could say like email marketing was the first great innovation. Yeah. Um, when we launched Zipdrip 20 years ago, when we, were, we sent out emails, the customers' customers were convinced that was a personal message. They'd get a 30% reply rate every email, 100% inbox rate, right? And then, you know, you get into a, a situation in a, in a space where it gets crowded and more competitive. Uh, search engine optimization. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, rewind 15, 20 years ago, it was relatively easy to 
they get ranked to the top. Um, but these in, in the attract spaces and especially in marketing, if you are an innovator, an early adopter, there can be great value to be found. You can be ahead of the curve and find cost-effective ways to, to use these new spaces and um, attract new customers. If, you, if that's important to you, you don't wanna be a late majority or laggard adopter because by that time, the space will be a lot more competitive. Um, the, the costs will be a lot higher. Um, so it depends, again, who, who are you? What are you comfortable with and, and what do you need? If, let, let, let me uh, ask you a Innovator. challenging question. Let, let me ask okay. you a challenging question. Um, in some categories of technology, uh, do you think that, oh, um, I don't know how else to put this, like comfort schmumfort, right? It's like, <laughs> like, like, um, uh, like people uh, might need to get a little uncomfortable making some decisions on some of this stuff because it, it would seem that, that, that in some technologies, being a laggard, like the last 16% to engage in uh, a software category. And, and like they've lost a lot of opportunity. What do you think? <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Play devil's advocate. <laughs> there's, there's a lot out there in, in the marketplace, in the landscape, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe you're a late adopter when it comes to track, but you already have a large agency and you know the numbers and that if mm -hmm. you focus on your customer retention that it's easier to keep a customer and it's worth so much more in the long term you're running this business on a 10-year outlook and you've, you've got the numbers dialed down and you're solely focused on keeping your customers then i'd argue maybe that's the right move for you so it depends on the agency for sure okay yep right. um but yeah if you are a lagger then Okay. Well, so, so people should at least, here's what I'm getting at, is that right, it's kind of regardless of their comfort level, um, people should be aware of uh, the risks and the rewards of when they purchase a technology in the life cycle of that technology. Okay, so I'll, I'll, let, me, let me take a few seconds sure. on that. Um, the, so you and I know this from the sales perspective, as well as, of course, purchasing technologies for decades. Um, and, and so from the sales perspective, we know that like the, um, the innovators, uh, there, there are two sides to it, the buyer and the seller, right? The sellers are often like scrappy startups, with, uh, often with maybe a big promise and maybe not as much behind that promise. And when I say not as much, I don't mean no lack of passion, but <laughs> there may be lack of funding. Um, there may be uh, like the technology is really not that advanced. Um, you know, who was it? Uh, the, the founder of LinkedIn said that, you know, if you're, if, if you're not embarrassed by your first launch, then you waited too long. So, so, you know, a lot of those early launches are clumsy and klutzy and, you know, so there's some risk there. Um, and, and what's interesting is those, on the buyer side, the let's say the agent, they often the the innovators that first what two point five percent, they often have kind of wildly unrealistic expectations about what this like scrappy new startup is going to be able to deliver to them, um, and and so sometimes there is um, uh, like uh, uh, customer dissatisfaction, okay, but that but then we get into that early adopter phase. 
the next 13.5% and kind of the crossing the chasm model. <clears throat> and uh, generally, okay, the, uh, you know, we're not just attracting the crazies, you know, the, the wild-eyed radicals. We're getting, um, you know, some of the <clears throat> more, um, a little bit risk-averse, uh, you know, a little, little bit more um, um, thoughtful purchasers. And ideally, the technology has come along to the point where the, um, the performance can match the product, right? Um, and then, yeah. boom, you cross that chasm, you get into the early majority. And at this point, generally, the software and the company behind the software is stable. And, uh, and, and you get, generally get a higher overall uh, customer satisfaction. Um, sure. and, and again, yeah. so, so what I'm getting at is I, I'm not certain that there's a, always a, as you said, a best time for every agency to purchase. But I think people should be aware that um, when they're purchasing, they should recognize that the seller of the technology has also got a bell curve of um, performance and stability and financial backing that they should have some awareness of. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. Okay, got it. Yeah, okay. having been on both sides of that. <laughs> having uh, been on both sides, right? And, on and that having... model, I can absolutely understand that. And, yeah, and, okay. You know, the, the well, companies when... that we're working with who are innovators are, are going to have uh, you know, innovators uh, risk the, the products are less mature. They're gonna be focused on a narrow audience. You know, they yeah. may be a little bit less reliable but they may be really cool, right? They might do some things that have not been done before. Maybe. So. And, and now, and you, as you recall, when, when we, we, when we launched agency revolution, uh, there was a, um, a, uh, an early uh, competitor that preceded agency revolution. And uh, as far as, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, they didn't survive. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so, um, that, uh, I, a part, part of what I'm getting at is I think it's uh, I'd like to find some way to pull the pull the curtains back for agents when they make decisions so they can see deeply deeply enough into you know the technology and the company behind the technology the support the culture um, you know the financial stability they should have some knowledge of some things that they may not be thinking about when the coolest salesperson in the world gets them on the phone and shows them a super slick demo. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to get that information. Let's, let's it, be honest. it is. But yeah, there are, but... there are ways. Uh, so, you know, this, this former competitor who isn't around anymore, um, they had a very aggressive sales strategy. They, they would come to your office, they would sell, and then try not to leave uh, until they get a contract signed. In fact, uh, the police were called on them more than once. Yeah, which, they're, uh, they're, they're, sto they're stories I'm only going to tell, only going to tell in the bar after a conference that I no longer go to. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> obviously, there's some red flags when when somebody has a super aggressive sales strategy, and you know, as a buyer, there's great resources out there now to check somebody's reputation. The most simplest resource is just to Google them. Uh, type in yeah. you know, the company name and reviews. There's a lot of great uh, data there. Uh, there's both in this industry, there's some specific um, reviews sites that you can find easily by using Google. And there's also some general software, you know, enterprise software review sites like Captera does a good job of aggregating uh, software reviews. 
Mm-hmm. It's important, though, to, to not make your decisions based solely on one factor, of course. Um, you know, as a, as a software buyer, I, I would even suggest, yes, it's good to know the landscape, what the options are out there. Uh, maybe there's some innovations that you want to attach yourself to in the future. But I would, I would step back even further and start within your own agency. What are the challenges that your team has? So that's going to be more systems product focused. Uh, and then, yeah. but also experience the agency from your customer's perspective. Be, have somebody be a mystery shopper. Understand the experience that they go through and then give it a critique. Understand the problems. So take, take running an agency the same way that we take running a software product. We're constantly asking for feedback. We're monitoring how customers engage with our products. Uh, we, we do an NPS survey as well. And we analyze those NPS results. And, and anytime we get feedback, we're calling the customers and talking to them more deeply about their frustrations so that we can uh, improve the product as we go. I, I, by the way, just a little bit of bragging here. We, uh, our NPS score is up seven points this month. Our, hey, our new record score. Um, nice. But <clears throat> it's only up because we, we pay close attention to that, that customer experience. We're listening to our customers. And, and insurance agencies should do the same thing. That should be step one, not um, talking to salespeople, shopping for products. Understand where your pains are for your customers. And then go out there and develop a list of of problems to be solved, right? Mm -hmm. And find products that can help solve those problems. That'll help you shorten the sales cycle. We know how much time can be spent with a salesperson on a software product. If you're really clear about your problems up front, that can help shorten your sales cycle, make a decision, yes or no, relatively quickly, and also help you um, be successful in adopting that product. Um, um, that, so that, that raises, that raises uh, uh, to segue to my next question. Um, where do you see um, software purchases go wrong? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, like an agency, uh, you know, purchases X technology and, yep. uh, and it just, it, it doesn't work for them. Yeah. Um, I, how do you, I that's, think it's that's different. Uh, yeah, it's different depending on the, the size of the business. I think that's one critical factor. Yeah. Okay. But for all businesses, what I just mentioned there, start with the problems. Don't start with solutions. Start with the problems. And get really clear on the problems. Have an open conversation about the challenges the business has with everybody on your team and with your customers. Go ahead and listen to them. I think that's step one. And then, um, you know, for for a small, scrappy startup, I think you're going to be more interested in, you know, the attract part of the ACOR model. You got to get new business to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You are not so worried about retaining your customers. Of course, it's important, but starting out you don't have that many customers don't spend all your effort on customer retention don't uh, automate something at a small scale use automation when you when you've got scale and so you will need to look for some innovation early in that you know adoption model innovation on the attract side of things now for a larger uh, a larger agency maybe you have a security team or an IT team uh, you've got a personal lines and a commercial lines manager. There's more 
people in the agency. And you know that while you do have more resources, um, your influence over those resources is probably going to be your biggest factor to adopting. So it's going to be really about selling the problem within the agency, getting buy-in on the problem, and also selling solutions. Because your success and failure is going to depend on the adoption of a software product within the company. That'll be the most critical. Uh, okay. Factor. So a, a, um, it, it seems to me that a mistake that some agencies make is for the principal to purchase a uh, technology and then introduce it to the team. Right? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the much more preferable is to explore with the team uh, and engage those who will uh, have their hands on um, the solution. And but you can provide leadership. I mean, you can have an idea and, but you of problems. Provide, and as yeah. a leader, you should. Yeah. Um, but you should be willing and, and open and listening to other team members and, and their feedback. That's going to well, be really I, critical I do think, later on for adoption. Uh, here's a common problem I see. Give me your reflection on this. Um, it's that... Um, Oftentimes, when somebody purchases a software, a technology, um, they, um, they perhaps they discount uh, that there's a soft cost to it, right? That in order to really exploit the features of the technology, they need the uh, they need the at some point a, a mastery of the technology, and that means somebody needs to run it, right? Right. I mean, uh, oftentimes so, <laughs> everybody needs to touch it within an agency for many systems, yeah. not all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Right. But at least so, somebody's got to be touching it. And, um, and, and that, you know, I, I, cause I think, I mean, we've seen this for two decades, uh, um, where agencies with an agency management soft system, right? Um, like, <laughs> They, you know, maybe they have 20 employees and they're using it 20 different ways and the data is a disaster. And like, then you, you have to get involved you know, with the integration. It's, it's a mess, right? Um, and so it seems that um, it, uh, the agency, the team, like real people need to have uh, like an appreciation for what a technology is going to do. And there needs to be a strategic approach to, to really exploiting the features of that technology. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I completely agree. All right. Yep. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of been riffing on common mistakes that uh, agencies make when they purchase technology. Do you, can you think of anything else? Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, maybe one more. It's just, it's kind of along that, uh, the product adoption curve. Just making sure that you work with a vendor who's a good culture fit. Um, ah. Uh, so we, you know, our, our company, we've, we've been in all phases. We've been a small scrappy startup and now we're, we're growing, we're, we're pretty big and we're well-funded. Um, in the early days, one of our big mistakes was uh, working with um, banks. And, and why is that? <laughs> well, the banks are a complicated customer. Um, they costed us a lot of time. And I know early on, there was frustration among our banking customers as well, because they're asking for security audit reviews. They're asking for quarterly you know, data scans. And, and these things, they're not so complicated unless you are running a small scrappy startup and you're under resourced and you're focused on some other innovation and you want to be distracted by 
these formal procedures that banks require for, for good reason. So, you know, working with a vendor who's a good culture fit for you is important and, and being aware of that. And then most enterprise customers are quite aware of that. We now have a director of security and we have a security team. So it's, it's no problem now for us, but uh, early mm -hmm. on. Hey, I, I, but, I, but I remember the sales back. team. You love those big bank contracts. Yeah. <laughs> as, I, as I recall, when they told you, you groaned. Yeah, yeah. They okay. like the growth. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, I'd, I'd say that's it um, in terms of things to watch out for uh, while shopping. Um, yeah, <clears throat> to, to summarize, though, I think, you know, focus on first principles as a software buyer. Look inside, look at your agency, understand the problems and challenges, get some consensus around that prior to going out there and bringing a product into the team and forcing adoption. <clears throat> um, okay, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking for a summary on this because I think, I think uh, we've kind of achieved some consensus, you and I, on this. Um, an agency, this is an active role. This is, this is now a job. This is somebody's job. Um, scanning the environment for available technologies externally, internally, scanning the environment for problems that can be solved with technologies, uh, engaging appropriate team members um, in the, oh, probably in the research and, and uh, purchasing process, particularly those who are going to be actively involved. Um, and, and, and then <laughs> I got, so one last question. So once we get to that point, now somebody says, all right, um, I want, uh, I, I think technology can help me solve this problem. Uh, you know, let's say increasing my, re my, uh, customer retention or what have you, whatever the problem is. Uh, now we've identified a category of technology. How does the agency select? Oh, they've got six vendors in that category. How does how does an agency um, select which one? Well, you've identified, I think, during the course of this conversation, um, some financial security, being aware of what's behind the technology itself. Uh, you've talked a little bit about the um, sophistication or the capacity of the technology. They're not all the same. Um, security is an issue. Uh, you talked about uh, culture fit. That's important. Um, anything else to give guidance to an agency to like, uh, like make the ultimate purchasing decision? Yeah, I think the, what we're missing here is, is the next step. After understanding the pain, identifying the category that you're looking for a solution in, you should develop a list of, of features that you need this product to do. Um, that'll, that'll give you a stronger position when you're working uh, with uh, the salesperson yeah. and doing demos. Uh, if your personal lines manager needs the ability to send emails and merge in a list of the active policies that a customer has, well, make sure that your vendor can do that. Wh whatever those requirements may be, um, talk to your team about what's important to them. Rank those things. You will have to make some compromises. There is, there is no product out there that that does everything perfectly for you. Um, so be aware of those requirements and, and be aware of how you would prioritize those uh, product requirements when you do go yeah. forward. If you're not sure, if you're really just learning, go ahead and get to know the market. Talk to some 
you know, product advisors of these different companies, do some research on the internet. But at some point, you'll need to develop a list of the features that are essential for you to solve the problem. Don't mm-hmm. lose sight of the problem mm-hmm. that you're on, of course. You know, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I suppose we should throw on that list, uh, and you did mention this, uh, people should um, like research um, customer satisfaction. Like talk talk to other um, talk talk to your cohorts. Talk to the peers uh, who who have already engaged in it, and and yep. and find out what's good, and find out where people have been dissatisfied as well. All right, uh, Luke. I know you got a hard stop. You got to get going. I have one last question for you. Okay, if you if you were going to hop on my soapbox for a minute, no more, or maybe less. And like deliver a message to the principles of the independent insurance agency system. What would you say? Focus on the customer is the most important thing. The more I think about what it's like to run an insurance agency today, actually, I think it's a, a lot in common with my, what my job is today as the as a VP of product here. Uh-huh. Um, my job is to to make sure that we're delivering value for our customers and that we're aware of the customer experience and solving that problem. Insurance is not just a product. It's not just a risk solution that we're selling. Customers have, with every touch point in the agency, the customers have an experience. If those experiences are positive, they will refer more and they will retain more. Bingo. Thank you. Um, All right. So you're in Vietnam. Um, I'm going to uh, make a reasonable guess that one, you're too busy, and two, people aren't going to be calling Vietnam to reach you. However, if somebody wants to, um, oh, if they've got a question about uh, about your uh, thoughts, how can they make contact with you? What's the best way? Um, email uh, Lucas at agencyrevolution.com or on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Lucas Jans. Send okay. me a message. All right, got it. And I, I don't know, are you active on LinkedIn? If you ping me, I'll notice. Got so it. sure, All right. I have an account. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. Um, well, <clears throat> typical technology guy, you're definitely on Twitter. <clears throat> All right. Um, well, say hello to the family. And uh, can't wait to see you. And uh, yeah. be safe. All right. Love you. I, right. I don't end I don't end very many podcasts saying that. Though I could, <laughs> but love you. Okay. Love you too. Love you too. All right. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.